Morning, morning, morning. Is it too early to say Happy New Year yet? Happy New Year. No, now is appropriate. I don't know if you have to wait till tomorrow. Got 24 hours to wait. We said uh, Merry Christmas for like a month. So. Yeah, that's true. Merry Happy Christmas. And, you know, as soon as Thanksgiving's over, start yeah. saying it. So uh, it's so good to have you here. If you're a guest here, you're here for the first time, maybe second or third time, and just checking us out. Um, we hope that it feels like home to you. We hope that you have an opportunity just to encounter a, the real, true living God who loves you, loves you literally to the point of death, of giving his son to have a relationship with you. And I hope you know that today. And that we love you and you've got a family right here on Old St. Augustine Road to, to just walk this life and do this journey together. And if uh, you are new here, we just want to tell you, welcome. welcome home. Welcome home. Hope that it feels like that. We're up here um, because we're getting ready to start not only a new year, but kind of a new season for our church here for the next 21 days. Yeah, so for 21 days, starting tomorrow, actually, the 1st through the 21st, we are going to have 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so we just want to take a couple of minutes to talk about fasting because I feel like a lot of times fast, I don't know why I get all the, like, close them down conversations, but fasting Fasting's and giving, scary, yeah. it's hard yeah. and it's a sacrifice. And so whenever you just do it to do it, I think that you're not really seeing the full blessing of what God really wants for us. And I thought yeah. of, Kyle was, and he's going to share some more on it in a second, but he was telling me this season of a girl that he grew up with, and she posted online that mm. they were going to buy, um, or someone in they the did. family yeah, they bought, bought glasses for her dad, who had never seen color before. Colorblind his whole life. His whole life, and sat now technology is wacko, and you can actually have glasses that give you color, and so that really like resonated in with me, with me. Like it's one of those make you cry Facebook videos. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was a video too. So the dad is like bawling because for the first time he could see color. He yeah. could see his kids hair and eyes and you know, just the beauty of everything. And I think that is to me about fasting. It's like my eyes are open. I can see, I love Jesus. He died for me. Um, mm. but when I fast, when I sacrifice and it's not just Facebook, Fasting, biblical fasting is food, something that you're actually taking away or not doing for the, the period of time. But it's like when you fast, when you do that sacrifice, it's like the colorblind glasses come on and you see Christ and his mercy and grace in color. Yeah. It's like the fullness of what God designs for our life that we never even get to experience because it's hard. Fasting yeah. is hard. It's, it's, it's harder um, when you hit like day two and day three. Like you'll start out even with like good intentions. And it, and it just gets it's hard. And like Terrence said, it's setting aside food uh, for a set aside time. For us, it, it's 21 days. And, and let me just tell you this. This is not something we're telling you to do. We're, like this is something we're just inviting you on a journey. Um, and Jesus fasted to start his ministry he fasted for 40 days. He set aside food. And like it, it wasn't like a little bit here and there. And he set aside food. And so before he actually ever did anything in his ministry. So for us, it's kind of like before we get into this year and get too focused on what we're going to accomplish and do for the Lord, we're just going to just consecrate ourselves and, and, and just humble ourselves before the Lord and just cl- almost like clean ourselves out in a lot of ways because it is a, very much a, not only a spiritual time of cleansing, but it's a physical time of um, cleansing. And so there's a lot we want to share on this, and we don't totally have time to to go through all of it. But I I know this is something that for many of you would be like, that's not for me, maybe another time. But 
I, I would just ask you, maybe consider, because Taryn, for the past, you know, six years, she's been been breastfeeding. She's been yeah, bre- breastfeeding or pregnant and, and it just hasn't been an option. And so she's really explored some different ways that she can do this. If you're one that's like, this is not for me because of, of health concerns or something I've got going on in my life like that. There actually are some different yeah, ways you absolutely. can approach that. You can say like, hey, you know, the place where I'm and, and if it's a physical from your doctor kind of thing, then obviously you need to deal with it in that way. But if it's something like I was I was nursing for the whole last year and I, I can't fast fully. That's not wise. Yeah. For, you know, I'm feeding my child with nothing, um, and so I had to eat obviously. And so I, I chose out of the fast last year. But I to be a part of it, I took out all sweets, anything like that. I the baby didn't necessarily need to survive. Yeah. And even just removing layers of you know. Um, I think for a week or two, I did no meat and just, Mm -hmm. I still had protein in other ways, but, um, so there's so many different ways you can do it. And I know we don't have time, but the Daniel fast, which is fruits and vegetables. That's the way that the, um, Daniel and his guys, um, just just Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. He just had fruits and vegetables, cut out meat, cut out bread, cut out sweets. So these, you know, we're, again, we're not telling you like, this is how it has to look. And because I think if you're doing it out of obligation or, um, because a person tells you so, then you're not going to be receiving from the Lord. So I think if you're obedient to God and you're um, committing to it, then he's going to have the glory and you're going to feel the results of it. There is so much I just want to share with you on this because it, it brings such power into your life. And I've had terrible experiences with it. Some of you are like, nope, tried that once and it was terrible. And, and you know, and, and for me and when I, because I, I get super hangry and I'm all about sweets. And so when I really begin to, to lose that and meat, I love meat. And so when, when I hit like day, like, like one and a half through three and a half, um, it's, it's miserable. It's straight up miserable. Like even Jesus after 40 days, like there's just the most obvious statement of the century and Jesus was hungry. Yeah, duh, he was hungry. He ain't ate in 40 days. Of course he was hungry. So um, th- there is that. It, it's going to be hunger pains. It's going to be painful. But I, I think it was Paul who said it at one point in, in the New Testament. He said, I actually, I'm beating my body into submission to make it obedient to Christ. There's something about this that it actually brings greater discipline in your life. And I believe if we can discipline ourselves in the area of food, which if you're like me, not always the most disciplined area of my life, um, I believe it bleeds over into other areas, like the study of God's word. I believe it bleeds over into other areas, like fighting off the temptation uh, or crucifying the addiction or the, the desires and the lusts of the flesh. It actually helps that. So here, we're not telling you to do We're asking you to pray about it. Like genuinely pray and say, God, what are you leading me to do? And, and if we get focused on what we're giving up, don't, don't consume yourself with what you're giving up because you'll think about meat all day long. You'll think about that nachos that you see the other person eating. If you focus on what you're, you're giving up, it'll be a miserable experience. But if you, if you focus on why you're doing this and who you are striving after and who you desire more than you even desire the food that you are giving up, it changes, it changes everything. And sometimes it's writing down maybe specific purposes that we want to see God do in our lives. There is biblical um, you know, foundation for that. But sometimes it's just very simple just to know you more this year. God, I'm setting aside desires of my flesh for the next 21 days just because I want to know 
you. I want to see your face because sometimes what we're praying for doesn't happen in the time because of God's sovereign plan in our life, but maybe it does. Maybe you pray a big prayer, you set aside this, make a sacrifice, and God shows up in bigger ways than what you could ever dream about. So the simple thought here is, is just uh, pray about it. Pray what God would have you do. It's something we're going to be talking about. And if, and if you choose to not be a part, don't feel guilty. Don't feel guilty, okay? Um, it's not that type of thing. Just walk in what God's calling you to walk and walk in confidence of that. There are a couple of other biblical uh, things that I think will be really helpful. We actually have a little fasting guide. It's three pages long. And if you are going to participate in the fast, I would love for you to look through this and give a good reading to this. If you want a paper copy, you're getting a digital copy in your email if you're on our email list at about 11.30 today. Um, but if you want a paper copy, if you'll just raise your hand and one of our ushers is going to just hand out, if you want a paper copy of that. Otherwise, you'll get that digitally through your email. And so if you'll just raise up your hand real quick, he's coming uh, your way. And just read through that and please reach out if you've got any questions or concerns to someone like Taryn or myself or one of our other staff or leadership team that has experience doing this and have done it before because it's, it's challenging, but I think having a community um, set aside this time, I believe you're going to see uh, just fruit of it in ways that probably you didn't even anticipate. And for me, most of the time, I don't even notice it in February. I notice it in October. I look back and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> like from October of last year or January 1 of this, and what God's done in my life when I've really set aside this and consecrated and humbled myself for his service, it's, uh, it's powerful. And so just prayerfully consider that and uh, we're looking forward to an awesome opportunity. On the 21st, we will break fast together. We will break fast. That's where that word's come from. Um, so we'll break it together. And that's going to be our fifth anniversary as a church. And so that's worth celebrating. I don't know if you know this, but 95% of church plants that start never make it to their fifth year anniversary. So come on, like that's worth giving God praise of. And it's not about just survival, right? I think in our first year, it was just like surviving was the win. But God's really, I think, brought us and developed us and matured us into be a life-giving community. That you come here and, and God's going to do something in your life. If you're pursuing the Lord, he's going he's to rock your world. And so we're just thankful uh, you're here, thankful for what God's going to do in this season. So we'll celebrate just afterwards. We'll just have a big uh, soups and salads and sandwiches, very light things as you ease off the fast. I'll be sharing lots of more cool stuff about that as we go. But that's it for Taryn. Love you, babe. You're awesome. Um, give it up. All right. <clears throat> so we're going to transition a little bit, and we're going to spend maybe the next half hour just with a, a few stories. It's the end of the year, and it's just a great time to reflect, right? Reflect on our own life. I don't know about you, but I really do. I look back, and, and, uh, and I'm not a big resolutions guy, but I am a big goal-setting guy, so I, I really look forward to the new year. And praying, God, what do you want to do in my heart? And, and I'm just going to set some tangible goals and a plan to go with that. Um, but now we're going to really enter into a time where we hear some of the stories that's been going on. If we sat around and just said, what's God been doing in your heart? You know, we could spend an hour just talking and it's just a lot. But we, we've got a few folks that are going to join us on uh, the, the pretty retro couch this morning um, to just talk about their stories. And so I want to invite Patrick and John and Tara, if you guys will come on up. Give it up for these folks. <clears throat> Super. You guys just make yourselves at home. Make yourselves at home. There you go. Awesome. Awesome. So this is John Howard, his wife, Tara. You guys have been married for how long? 
13. Mics, microphones, you'll have to get used to that. No. Sorry. There you turn it on. Gotta let the Sanger turn it 13 on. Thirteen years. There you go. There you go. Thirteen years. And this is Patrick. You got the you hold down the little green button at the bottom. That should hold the little clear button, whatever it is. There. Beautiful. Yeah, just hold her down. Oh. There oh. we go. And Patrick hails from the great state of drumroll, please. Oregon. Oregon. <laughs> he's getting a, he's getting a trip back up there this coming weekend, yes. so he's gonna enjoy some snow and all that jazz. And I'm so thankful, you guys. It's been cool to just be able to to get to know you guys better the past couple of weeks. I've, I've known you pretty well, and we've spent a lot of time together. But you know, there's different layers, right? Different layers to our story, and we we don't always let everybody in on that right away. Um, but it's powerful, and we really. Um, connected and just times we've had to discuss. I want to read a, a scripture to just open us up this morning. It, it's actually a popular one when we talk about um, testimonies and sharing what God's done in our life. It's out of the book of Revelation, which some of us are like, I'd rather not read that scary stuff, but it, it, it's prophetic as well as it is poetic. And I think this passage here, the first 10 verses, the first nine verses are incredibly poetic. And some of it's looking forward and some of it actually looks backwards in a very poetic form. And that's what happens here in Revelation chapter 12. And, and he's really just painting this vivid picture, this vivid imagery of, of what Christ did in coming down to bring victory into our life. And that's kind of going to be the key thing that we've been talking about for a few months here, right? With our overcomer shirts and, and discussing just walking in that victory. Verse 10 says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ and the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Our accuser has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimonies. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. And, and so I find many times when I reach out to someone and say, hey, God's laid you on my heart. Would you consider to do this? We want to shrink from the death, terrifying moment to share our story. It's, and so I think in some ways, though you're not kind of being brought to the martyr stake, this is kind of looking a lot of the death that's been in your, in your past and history and like some darker days, looking at it and, and being like, I'm an overcomer. Like the enemy's been hurled down and uh, I'm walking in that victory through not only the blood of the lamb, but the, the word of our testimony. And so um, we're just going to ask some questions, just have a conversation and I think it's really beautiful just how our stories connect and intertwine in many ways. Uh, let me start over on the end there uh, with Patrick. And again, you, you didn't grow up down here um, in, in this area, but you, you did have a, a church experience, a church upbringing um, as a child. Um, and, and talk to us about that experience, just childhood experience, childhood like faith, um, you know, and then kind of how that's come to make sense to you, I guess, in the past sure. year or so. Yeah, so, I mean, I was born and raised in church, a, a Pentecostal church, um, and, you know, that looked like me attending services on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every other Friday night, every Saturday, every Saturday night um, it's a real for church 21 boy. years. So, you know, when I say I've been in church, I've been in church, and, you know, I very rarely missed church, even when I was in high school. Um, uh, you know, I was on the cross-country team, I was in choir and, and whatnot, and it was just a big deal if I had to miss church. You know, I had to let people know and, you know, all sorts of things. 
And that's not really what I'm trying to get into, but just, you know, I was in church, okay? I've heard a lot of sermons. <laughs> and yeah. that's not counting revivals, which was every, every night, you know, from Monday through Friday, and then conferences, again, every night, Monday through Friday. So that's just kind of, you know, the environment that I was growing up in. Putting that aside, you know, I had awesome parents who really loved the Lord um, desperately. They really loved Jesus and, and really tried their best to model you know, what a, what a righteous home should look like and, and um, you know, um, were they perfect? No, no one is, but um, it was, you know, looking back, a, a wonderful childhood experience. And um, so, you know, at the age of five, I think I um, asked Jesus into my heart, you know, said a simple sinner's prayer, Jesus, forgive me, I love you, you know, whatever. And I remember because I was wearing little corduroy pants, um, and I was dressed up as a Scotsman because it was like the, all the flags of the different countries of Christmas. So <laughs> I was like in my little kilt thing in corduroy underneath, and I was praying for Jesus to come into my heart. So I'll always remember that. And then at the age of nine, I um, was baptized, you know, in a little trough, just like we do here. And nothing fancy by any means, and got up and gave my little testimony of what Jesus had done in my life. You know, I'm nine years old, you know, you know. I don't really have <laughs> this great, you know, crazy testimony, but I think that that just goes to under, underline or underscore that from a young age, I was always drawn to Christ. Do I think I really had a genuine salvation experience uh, at nine years old? I, I, I don't think I did, but I think at the time, you know, it's just important to know, and we'll discuss later, that um, I was drawn to Christ at a young yeah. age, and I, I did feel like there was a calling on my life. Um, I was always the one who went up to... In, this is so silly, but looking back on it, I was always the one who was, like, as a child, I would go up to the person who, like, didn't have another arm or something, who was visiting, like, in church, or who, who walked with a limp, or who had a cane, or I was always drawn to those people, even at a young age, and um, I think that that's, you know, a part of my story, my calling, um, so that's just kind of the upbringing that I, that I had. Yeah. So. <laughs> And and you and you've talked to me a little bit this year, but just processing that, and, and I think a lot of parents in here who who maybe your child's been accepted the Lord very early and and been baptized. I think Patrick's a, a great testament to you to know that because I, I think we can begin to kind of question what happened during that, but knowing that he was brought up with the Word of God in his life. And the scriptures say, like, train up a child in the way you go, and when he's old, you won't depart from it. And even if they do, it won't depart from him. And that the word of God never departed from him, even when he departed from it. And he's going to get into that, some of that story here in just a few moments. Even when he ran from the Lord, the Lord hadn't run from him. He was chasing after him and his goodness and his grace. So parents that have kids that are running, just know. Or parents in 10 years from now or 15 years from now, and your kids are Running, just know God's not done with them yet. You know, that's one of the things we say around here. So everybody comes up in a different um, kind of upbringing, but that kind of becomes our ground zero to what we start with, right? I mean, some of us were passed down to faith. Some of us are like just kind of walked in atheism or agnostic or, or just a, a legalistic environment where it was all about the rules. What was kind of the theology of y'all's home if I can just call it like that, what's the theology, kind of the, what's the perspective, the view of God kind of for you all coming up? Um, for me, uh, church growing up was ski trips. So that, <laughs> that was about the extent of when, we went, when I went to church. And that was really when they, the church going was going on. The church, getting on the church bus, going on a ski trip, and then coming back. And 
that was pretty much it. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my mom believed in Jesus, and we, we talked about that some as a kid, but we never went to church. That just wasn't something we did. Yeah. Um, so that's, it wasn't until I was much older, until I was married, um, yeah. that, you know, Tara started talking, like, you know, we, we really need to go to church. I know she had much more upbringing in church than I did, and I was like, yeah, yeah show up, show up, whatever you want to do, it's football Sunday. If you want to, I guess we can do that. But that was kind of my upbringing with church. And yeah. So. Um, what about you, Tara? Um, well, I mean, I had a little bit more than John, but really we were like, we were like CEOs. We were like Christmas, Easter only. Um, <laughs> I've never heard did. of that. That's good. Um, <laughs> we, we would go over Christmas until, um, until my dad kind of decided he didn't want to do that too much anymore. So... Then it was just with a friend um, would bring me along sometimes to church with her. I went to a couple vacation Bible schools with her, but um, it wasn't a lot in church. I do, um, like Patrick, have a really distinct early memory of having like an adult Bible. It was probably like an NIV, and I was about eight years old in my little fort in the woods. And I sat down with Genesis 1 and a highlighter, and I think I highlighted the whole chapter. Like I didn't know what I was doing at yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it was discouraging because I didn't have... A whole lot of instruction as a young mm. kid, but I, but what kid highlights a Bible like that? Like there was a definite pull, mm. um, and it kept coming back. Probably about this time every single year, I would say, okay, this is new year. I'm gonna start going to church this year, um, mm. and I'd go once or twice. And, yeah, and it's tough, um, you know, when you're married and you're not in that quite that same path. It's tough to make the choice to go alone. Um, and John was always extremely supportive, but it's tough to go alone, especially when you grow up Catholic, and then you think you can only go to a Catholic church, and you're a sinner, so you probably shouldn't have communion because you haven't gone to confession in yeah. 17 years, you know? So it was a little, um, it was a little bit of a, um, like a start and stop journey back for, mm. for a little while. Yeah, and... and- the truth of the matter is in our upbringing, we're just trying to make sense of this whole life thing. And whatever we're given, we're just kind of putting, kind of putting things together. And, and it takes, you know, into adulthood where the faith really becomes ours, regardless of if it was passed down, because we, we have to work through a lot of things. One thing that just stuck out with, with what all of you were saying is, and it just, God brought it to my mind, of just really our model for ministry could be summed up in really two words, relational discipleship. And that early on, like if, again, it takes some being around and being connected, but like being discipled through a relationship, which discipleship is like someone that's not, it's going to sit down with Tara, who in some of those early moments and is going to walk her through, and parents, like that's really what we do is we disciple through relationship and like building that relationship and, and not through this is what you're supposed to do, this is what you're not supposed to do, but it's through, hey, here's what God's word says, and here's how much God loves you. And like if we start from that grace place and then we, we, we talk through that process and, and the same with Patrick, being in the church and, and just the, the relationships there, there's more on your story in that uh, of just having those relationships to, to walk you through it. But y'all all came here, you guys came here and you guys came here in a pretty interesting way. We didn't talk about this much as far as that we were gonna talk about this, but I'd love for you all to just share your story of how you got here, because for both of you, it's pretty awesome, and uh, I think that'll be cool for people. So, Patrick, you want to start? Yeah. So, 
testing. So I, gosh, it was five. Right when we started. Right, right before right, we started. Right, yeah, before the church even started, um, Caleb Kimbrough uh, and I worked together. And I don't know if some of you know Caleb. He was here when the church started. We worked together at SunTrust Bank downtown on Laura Street. And, um, you know, through the course of talking day by day, um, you know, sharing my life with him, and he's like, you know, you should come check out this church we're launching. And um, so I'm like, okay, you know, all right. And at that point, you know, I really was not, you know, I was, I was going to a large church occasionally, but I really, I wasn't living for the Lord. Um, and I was partying on the weekends and stuff. Anyways, long story short, we'll get into that later. I came with him and I was like, wow, this is, there's something different here. And I think I came for about a month, four services, three services, maybe. Um, and I even helped with tearing out the uh, mm-hmm. There's tile in there, the yeah. Tiling in there, and then peeling back the carpet, the carpet and stuff. Um, and so, uh, anyways, fast forward five years, um, I was walking with my mom in our in our um, oh, what's it called where you live neighborhood, <laughs> a house, <laughs> house, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, really, just talking, you know, about you know where I was spiritually, and I just kind of was. You know, I really, I want to get back into church. Um, and for whatever reason, I had just driven past Fathom, and I, and I thought, I need to see if Kyle's still there. And so I sent him an email. This was in December of 2016. I sent him an email. Christmas Eve. It was Christmas Eve, yeah. <laughs> I got on Christmas morning. And I sent him an email, and just this random, like, rambling, you know, I don't even know. <laughs> And I sent him an email. He responded. I was going on vacation and whatnot. And anyways, we, we met, talked, and I ended up coming back to church. Long story short, I found out after I got baptized that when they were peeling back the carpet, they had carved my name in the, in the concrete and prayed over it <laughs> five years ago. And I just found out, like, after I got baptized. And I just thought, I don't know, that blows my mind that, like, God drew me back to this random little church from all of my cross-country travels and everything. It's like, no, he wanted me to be here for a reason. And mm. so I think that's really cool. <laughs> it's just amazing. Like, yeah, people you're praying for, just keep on praying for them. <laughs> keep, keep praying for them. God, God can do stuff. You, tell your story. Um, it's pretty cool. Okay. Okay. Well, start at the beginning. Right. A-type, and I did that. Um, So, I mean, I think it really started when John was super supportive of me going back to church, but but he would come occasionally. Um, So I would go, and I went to a really big church, and God really, I think, provided for me during that time because, like I said, it's kind of tough sometimes to go by yourself and think, like, oh, I could be making waffles. (laughs) This could be family time. But so I just, but I kept feeling that pull, and and the Lord really provided, he provided a serve team. I served in the bookstore with um, a group of wonderful girls who, it was the front, the third row from the front on the left, that row was always there. They would text in the morning, and some mornings, you know, it's hard to get out of bed. Um, we get the kids ready, and, go, and they would say, are you coming? We're saving a seat for you. Um, and I'd never have to sit alone. He never, The Lord never had me sit alone, really, um, which is amazing um, in a church that big that I would know people and feel loved. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would sit there and, you know, kind of look around, and you see the couples, and you're like, man, I'm like, Lord, I just wish my husband would be here with me. Um, and sometimes he would, and that was great, and other times... 
Um, you know, it just, it, it wasn't. The Broncos were on. Come yeah, on. there was football. Come on. <laughs> or golf. <laughs> but um, the Lord answered my prayer in a way that I really was not prepared to, mm. to almost even accept. And looking back, I can't really even believe that I um, kind of almost reacted in a, in a negative way because John didn't want to go to that church. <laughs> it wasn't that he didn't want to be in church. That just wasn't the place for him. There wasn't. Um, it wasn't intimate enough. There wasn't, he could walk in, walk out, and never see anyone he knew, um, which is not okay. <laughs> in a church, to feel connected is really important. Um, so he said, why don't we try going a little closer to home? And so I was like, well, why don't we go like three months, out of, three weeks out of the month to, to that church, and I'll still, feel like I had one foot still in like my safe place. Um, and so I, it finally became really clear, like the Lord was saying, you prayed this. And I answered you, and your husband's going to church and sitting there, um, and you still want to hang on to this other thing, like what I have for you is better. So I did eventually phase it out um, and was obedient about that, which probably made my husband happy. Um, John, you, you fill in the blanks there, if you don't okay. mind. Right, I'm not so, cutting you off, but I, I, I love to hear him tell this part of the story. So I, I went to church for my wife at the beginning, and, and I didn't. We went to Celebration. It's a huge church. Probably the only reason I, I did go for a while was uh, Stovall Weens um, is a great speaker, and I could kind of relate to him a little bit because we, we had a similar background growing up as far as some of the, the things we did that we shouldn't have done. So I, I, I could kind of relate to him, but again, I, I was never really happy there. Um, and when I did go, Jaden was really little, and he hated to be away from us, hated it. It's so tough. We'd be in there for like five minutes, and then his little number would pop up on the screen. I'd be like, "Yes, I'm made out it of here. five <laughs> minutes." I'm gonna go next week, six minutes. And I'll yeah. outside till church is over, and life is good. Um, and so <laughs> it, it, it kind of got me out of that um, being in there. Um, so this went on for a while, and then I, I tried ushering with them. Um, I ushered a couple of times, but again, I just never felt connection, and never really wanted to be there, and was just kind of doing it to appease my wife. Um, so I pretty much quit going altogether eventually, and I was like, you know what, it, we'd go, Tara would serve one service, and then we'd sit through another service, so I really was, go we were going for like five hours every Sunday, six hours every Sunday, and I was like, man, this is just killing my Sundays. So <laughs> fast forward a year or so, year and a half, um, and, and we talked about it, and I said, you know, I it's not that I don't want to be at church. I just, I don't want to drive to Jacksonville every Sunday. It, it takes a whole day. Um, Andy Herco, um, who is a pastor for Good News, um, they opened up by the World Golf Village. So we thought, I said, well, let's give this a whirl. It's, it's closer, and she was still keeping her foot in. So we were going there. Again, I just didn't like it. I, the people, it's not that they weren't friendly, but I just didn't feel at home. So I had gone through some things with work, and... We'll get into that in a little while, but the job I was in with Serve Pro actually brought me to Fathom Church. Mm -hmm. I was actually calling on a bunch of different churches, and I came in and met Kyle, and was like, hey, this guy's pretty cool. And we talked a little bit, and then I left, and then a couple weeks later, I was just wanting to kind of follow up with Kyle from our conversation, but I, I couldn't find his contact information, and every time I came here, he wasn't here. It was just kind of like, man, I need to find it. So I got on the website, and I listened to what Kyle had to say on the website and kind of read through it, and something just really, really tugged at my heart. I mean, it was 
but we know what it was. It was Jesus just, John, you need to go to this church. So I told my wife, I said, listen, I think I like this place, and, and I think this is where we're supposed to be. So what do you think about going and trying this church out? And she said. And I did that inside. Yeah. I was like, cool. So we did. We did. And, you know, it, it, it is scary walking into a new place for the first time. And even though I had been in here outside of church hours, like I remember pulling up, and I remember looking at my wife, and she's kind of looking at me like, Oh my God, what, where have you brought me, John? What, what's going on here? And uh, But it was so much smaller than anything she mm-hmm. had done. So, But we came that first service, and I remember Kyle up here talking, and he saw me, he made eye contact with me, and I, he just kind of smiled. And as soon as he had a moment, came over, gave us a hug, said hello, and uh, we've been here ever since. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it, it was a long road for Tara. Um, but I really, it was her grace... Um, is what Jesus did through her that really brought me to Jesus um, in, in kind of a, a, a short roundabout way of saying everything that needs to be said. But, you know, the forgiveness that I saw, him working her heart um, through marriage difficulties and life difficulties and really just, it, it made me a believer. And I was mm. like, you know, there's, there's something to this. It's yeah. not just, I always thought church was a place where weak people went to feel better about themselves. Um, mm. I mean, that's what I thought my yeah. whole life. People go to church, you're weak. You're not strong enough to stand on your own. Um, and then one day I realized, wait a minute, <laughs> I'm the one that's not strong enough to stand on my own. And yeah. Uh, yeah. here we are. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Um, no, it breaks you up, Tara, because that, that was a long season. It, it, it's a long season, and, you know, you guys shared... <laughs> Tara would just leave little scripture cards everywhere and just trying to get the word in their house. And, 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 and I know this just in talking to you guys, you know, since I've known you, just like what your family used to look like and what it looks like now has changed. And there's a lot of, there's just a lot of changes that take place in order to put Christ as a center of your home and the center of your marriage and the center of your kids and like everything else begins to fall into place. And um, and that's been you know some some cool stuff, John. Uh, since you got the mic, we'll just keep it rolling. Some of that stuff that's career wise, uh, as as you've trusted the Lord, um, there were some decisions just in there financially you guys made together, and she was pushing you on, and it got tough there for a little bit. It, it did, um, you know, Tara. One one of the things that when God really started to work through Tara, she started wanting she wanted to tie it. I don't need our money. I, we need our money. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, so I'll get to that here in a minute. But so I was working. Tara was a stay-at-home mom slash worked part-time. Um, so she really worked two full-time jobs pretty much. Um, and I worked a full-time job away from the house, and life was good. Um, but I, I was running a pest control company, and I just... I wasn't all that happy there. I, I knew it wasn't my lifelong dream of chasing rats through people's attics, and it's not something I really <laughs> wanted to be doing forever. So uh, I had a friend of ours, a mutual friend that Tara had actually interned with in college um, that opened up an all-state insurance office, and, uh, and I couldn't figure it out, but you know, him and I talked. He's like, John, you'd be perfect at this. You need to come do this, and I'm like... I had this tug in my heart, like, John, you really need to do this. Jesus was telling me, John, you need to make this move. Everyone I talked to said, John, you're crazy. The insurance, property and casualty, car insurance, homeowner insurance, that's the hardest 
sales business in the world. What are you, what are you thinking? And I'm like, listen, I, I can't explain why I need to do this. I just know I need to do it. So, so I left where I was at making, making decent money and able to support the family and everything to a job. I went down basically down to $1,000 a month was what I was getting paid to go sell insurance. So if I didn't sell any insurance that month and make any commissions, I made $1,000 a month. Well, I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and uh, I, I think my highest grossing month was $1,500. Now, through that entire time, we started tithing 10%, the full 10% on everything we made. So imagine making $7,000 in six months and paying all your bills and everything. But everything got paid. I, I, I can't explain to you how it got paid, but we, I pay, we tithed 10% of everything we made of nothing. We made nothing. <laughs> we still tithed the 10%. And everything got paid. Um, we still had our house. We had our car. We had food. We really never went without anything um, during that time period. I mean, God provided, like, he, he provided, like, the means for us to get what we needed to. It wasn't just, like, bags of groceries showed up on our doorstep. Right. I mean, there were some things that we had to do to make yeah, sure that we, we survived and were good, but he always provided a way. I mean, our lawnmower broke, and our across-the-street neighbor wheeled over and was like, I just bought a new one. I know, I know yours broke. Do you want this? Like, mm. it, was, it was unbelievable, the provision that we got mm. during that time. That's so good. So... So Allstate, obviously, I failed at. But what did happen is I really started networking a lot and um, meeting people and going to events. Um, and then that transitioned to me into SurfPro, where I just really did business development and drove around and got people to like me, which isn't too hard for me. Um, if none of you guys knew that. Yeah. Not, not that I'm arrogant. I'm just saying people like me. Yeah. Um, Gosh darn so, it, people like me. Um, so... I was pretty happy at SurfPro. I wasn't making fantastic money or anything, but Tara was working now. Between the two incomes, like we, we were doing well. Um, and then I sold a big job, and I started project management. And then through the relationships I was in, it, it landed me where I am now. And I can say I am the happiest in a job that I've ever been in my entire life. Um, I, and everyone told me when I was young that what I'm doing now is what I needed to do. Mm -hmm. And... And I, I was like, I'm not swinging a hammer for the rest of my life. You guys are crazy. Um, I was making $5 an hour in high school. How could I ever make money d doing this for a living? Um, but here I am now, and, and God really did amazing things. And now I look where I'm at, I'm like, man, I should have been doing this for 15 years. But the truth of the matter is, is if I had been doing it for 15 years, I wouldn't have met my beautiful wife. Yeah. I wouldn't be sitting here with you guys today. Um, so it, it, it's just, it's amazing how you, I look back on it and I can see how God worked. At the time, I couldn't see it. You can't see it at the time, but you mentioned it earlier about after the fast and looking back in October, yeah. back at the year and, and what he's done for you. It's, it truly is amazing and it just mm -hmm. amazing where we are. Today, and and so. you didn't even know it. I don't even know if you're a believer at that time, but you didn't even know it, but there was this tugging to do that. You were literally willing to, you know, push away everybody else's advice. It's that it, gut instinct. It, it really isn't gut instinct. It really is Jesus. Yeah, and, and here's the second thing that you did really great. Not only not listening, but listening to the Holy Spirit, but 
listening to your wife <laughs> who said we need to tithe. Like there, there's some man wisdom right there. Listen to your wife's wisdom. You know, when it's godly wisdom and, and where it, it's gotten you, sometimes we think the season that we're going into will be a season of increase. And it was a season of preparation, you know, and, and that's maybe somebody's right now in a place and like I'm hoping to go into a season of increase and you may think it is and, and your world might get shattered when you just find out it's just a, a season of preparation, but you can still trust God through it. Trust God through it because he's setting you up for, for making, you know, quadruple what you were ever making or double what you ever were making, you know, and, and getting you in a place that you really enjoy. And so, uh, Patrick, earlier this year, uh, just after you really came, uh, came running back to the Lord all in, I think that that's one of the things that I was just moved by in that email on Christmas morning that I read right before we opened presents with my family, was this man was repentant, and he wanted God's best for his life. Like, I could hear it in the email. He said it was nonsense. It wasn't nonsense. It was repentance, full on. And when I sat across him, all I saw was somebody that was hungry for the Lord and repentant and did not want to miss out on what God had for him. And I've found the same thing since uh, knowing him in this, uh, you know, closer in, in this past year. Uh, the financial thing, while we were bouncing off of that, that was something for you actually earlier this year. That was a big breakthrough. And then just rewind us back, you know, to, to some of the, the darker days where it got, got pretty ugly and just kind of where God's brought you to now. Yeah, I mean, just to real quick, testi- a testament of... And I'm going to be completely honest with you. I actually um, have forgotten to tithe the past couple of weeks um, just because I've got a lot going on, and God's convicting me right now. So I'm just, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not perfect, and I'm, I'm not going to sit up here and pretend that I Bring am. Bring that authentic. At all. But I do want to give a testament of, of what Jesus did. You know, I, I came back to the Lord, and right away it was like a simultaneous conviction. He's like, you need to tithe. And it was, it was like this overwhelming, like, your salvation is linked to you tithing. And it was the, the, one of the clearest word of God I've ever received in my And so I'm literally sitting here convicting myself right now. But, um, <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> and so I, I did. I tied the 10% off this money that I'm like, I don't know where it's, what's going to happen here. I got a $600 check from the IRS like two weeks later. It was almost the exact amount that I needed to, for, to pay up some bills. Um, I had bought a new car and was like, I can't afford to tithe now because I had the stupid car payment. I got a rebate and in the mail that I wasn't expecting for like 300 and something dollars. Again, covering the exact... And so from that point, I was like, okay, all right, I get it. I just need to tithe. And that, you know, that tithing along with the repentance, um, really that simple obedience was what I believe allowed God to give some momentum spiritually in my life. Mm. So just anyways. Yeah, and, and just to be clear, like... He's talking about more from a personal standpoint. Mm-hmm. Tithing and salvation aren't intertwined. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't tithe, you're not saved. That's not how it works. But um, I think what the heart of it is there is it's about our trust, isn't it? I mean, that's what it's all about because God doesn't need our money. Doesn't. Like we, we you know, live off of trust in the Lord. And when we do that, it, it's going all in with just trusting in the Lord. And I think that's why you, you kind of sense some of that freedom, like a, a complete surrender to his plan. Um, and I think for all of us, there might be a different area in which we struggle to surrender. And when we, when we release that, it'll feel like a whole new salvation experience because of the freedom that we experience through that simple obedience, like you said. So that's... Uh, I, think, I think tithing too, um, 
early in our marriage, we thought a lot about money. Hopefully you don't mind me sharing this, but I'm going to go ahead and share it because I feel like I should. Um, but we did. We fought a lot about money, and we were making great money when we first met. And it wasn't an issue. We just also spent a lot of it. So there wasn't a lot of it yeah. because we were super irresponsible. But, um, but I would worry, and I would worry, and I would worry, and that worry would, like, go again and again. And I would ask again, like, so what are we going to do? So what's our plan? So what? where is it going to come from? Like, how are we going to? And, like, I can understand that. <laughs> That's probably a bit much after the third or fourth time um, in the same hour, probably. Um, but I was just worried about it. And then tithing and giving, giving money that you kind of don't have to the Lord and saying, I trust you. I, I'm giving you this 10 that was yours anyways because you gave it to me. And I trust you to make ends meet from here to 100. Um, and it really, I think, took a lot of unfair burden that I was putting on you off of you and back instead of having to trust in human dollars and cents and trust that the Lord would provide what we needed really helped a lot. Yeah. Change from the inside out. Anxiety goes because our hearts just surrendered and trust in the Lord. Um, we've kind of kind of started at the early at your story. We've started at the end of your story. Rewind us back a little bit um, from this season from kind of Starting out in church with this great upbringing, and then now in uh, here at Fathom, there was a lot of dark seasons in there, you know, near-death experiences, and um, just a lot of running from the Lord. You want to take us through some of that, and just kind of what you've come to understand about His grace, you know, sitting here today? Yeah, so um, first, you know, just want to say that you know, the Bible is very clear about, you know, all of us, like, sheep have gone astray. Um, yeah. Each of us turned to his own, own way. The Lord is causing the grief. You know, um, I think it's in Isaiah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's none righteous, no, not one. So we're all sinners, right? And, and this yeah. is, I'm not just up here saying, oh, you know, I'm a worm, you know, God. You know, but we're all sinners. So we all have, you know, Paul talks about in, in his letters to the early church, the thorn in his flesh. You know, yeah. we don't know what that was. Um, people speculate on it, you know, but we don't know what that was. Uh, we all have a sin nature. Um, some of us have things that, you know, are, are more weighing on us than others. And, but at the end of the day, sin is sin. In the eyes of a holy God, sin separates us from him. Yeah. And that's all it is. It's, it's us missing the mark of God's plan in our life. So, uh, you know, my, my temptation uh, was, was homosexuality. So I was exposed to uh, gay pornography at a very young age. Um, and over the course of my early childhood and, and uh, early adulthood, um, that morphed from, you know, just viewing to actually engaging in immoral acts, you know. And I hope there's no kids here. <laughs> it's okay, um, man. But, um, you know, and, and all of this time, I'm still in ministry in my church. I'm still serving. Um, and, you know, there was this double lifestyle that was that was going on and you know this kind of you know I have come to a place of repentance and then you know go back and this back and forth for years and uh, you know I tried to get counseling from church church leaders and and whatnot I think there would have been more of a, a willingness to help had they known maybe how much it was weighing on me um uh, but what, for, for whatever reason, you know, I was told to pray about it and just pray about it. This is normal, you know, hormonal things. And 
And, you know, that's really scary um, as I look back in hindsight. You know, if, if you know, someone comes up to you and, and is from a place of confession and, and you are uh, in, a, in a position of authority in the church, you know, you need to take that seriously. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have the answers for that, you need to pray and get a hold of God and give them to someone who, who does have the answers. Yeah, that's good. Um, so anyways, that's just for free. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, don't, I really don't want to highlight, you know, a lot of the things that I went through. But I, I, I think that in doing so in, in a small way, God gets all the glory. Um, and obviously, it's not something that I look forward to doing. <laughs> But um, by the age of 21, um, 21, yeah, I think it was 21, uh, I met someone, uh, met a guy, and uh, we became, we got in a relationship with each other. And I uh, remember very clearly uh, walking to the church uh, leaders, uh, handing in my key and saying, I'm done, don't want anything to do with the church, don't want anything to do with God, don't believe anymore, bye. And they tried to pray over me, and, you know, it was just really, they were really shocked. They didn't really understand what was going on. Um, they tried to pray over me, and, and I said, no, I'm, I'm not interested. And I'm, no, bye. And, you know, the next four years of my life was basically me doing all the things that I was told I couldn't do that were bad for me, you know, from, from clubbing and partying. Um, you know, the, the things that go along with that lifestyle, I'm just saying, you know, it's not a healthy lifestyle. So um, alcoholism was, was huge, clubbing was huge, um, and then that led into uh, drugs. Um, and <laughs> in a period of one year, I go from you know, being this, this kid in a shirt and tie, you know, leading the choir in church on Sunday, to literally trying everything from pain pills um, to meth and to Molly and to you know, ev literally everything that I said I would never do. I was doing, and um, you know, it, it was fun for a while. It was it was a blast for a while. I'm not going to sit up here and say that I wasn't having fun. I had I had a blast. Cocaine was awesome, and then I, and no, listen, take that you know take that with a grain of salt. Listen to what I'm saying. Like yeah. I had a blast for a season, and then um, and then it wasn't fun anymore, <laughs> and it became this. Like waking up every day was this, you know, struggle. It was, you know, depressed. This immense depression that I've never felt before. And again, I don't want to glorify the, yeah. the life or anything like that. But, you know, just the culmination of me getting so depressed because I knew, I knew, you know, you're raised with the truth. You know what's right. And I knew that I was not living a godly lifestyle. And I knew that were I to die, I would not make heaven my home. And... Um, so that, that, you know, I'm running from God in my everyday life and I know that I'm not saved and, but I'm not going to do anything about it. <laughs> I'm still going to live my, my lifestyle the way I want to live. Uh, that is the perfect breeding ground for depression. <laughs> and mm, that's, that's, that's what happened. Good. So I was incredibly depressed and I don't know. If, so... <laughs> I was really depressed, um, and that became, so it was fun for like three years. The last three years of, of my life have just been dealing with this depression, and it finally got to a point, I was sharing with Pastor, you know, where I was so obsessed with, with you know, just ending my life that I, I you know, I, as I'm driving, you know, I'm thinking, 
how fast does that car need to go to, to kill, to impale my little Kia Rio and kill me? Or if I'd be walking on the road, I'm like, okay, no, that car's going too slow. It wouldn't work. Oh, that one's too big. Okay, awesome. And, like, it was this obsession. Like, I couldn't go to bed in, at night until unless I was thinking about, like, ways that I could kill myself without mortifying my family. Um, and one night, I, I kind of got my, you know, my wish. <laughs> and so I had upped my, my dose of, of Adderall to a potentially fatal level. And um, I remember um, losing feeling in the left side of my body um, and my heart racing so fast that I knew like there's this is it like this is it right here I'm, I'm dying and I wrote a quick little note and I'm like I'm sorry um, sorry mom and dad <laughs> and you know my grandma called 911 they had her you know I had I chewed up an aspirin or whatever and long story short when that was all done that was the end I didn't try to kill myself again because I knew that if I were to have died that day I would not have made heaven my home and um, so, you know, this is six years of my life of me running from God, seven years, whatever. Me running from God and living a life that, that I knew was not, was not holy and was not what God had for me. And um, I began to get really soft after that experience. And that was shortly after is when I actually reached out to Pastor. Yeah. So it's a little bit about what happened. Yeah. Um, and I think in different ways, we can find ourselves identifying with where sin has led us in your own life, like where the depth of sin gets us to. Because the enemy seeks to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Very plain and simple. That's what he seeks in your life and in my life and Patrick's life and John's life and Tara's life. And it's only by the grace of God, you know, that, that we're saved. It's not by our works, regardless of, of what rules we've tried to keep up with or we can't. We realize that at some point we can't keep up with them. That wasn't about that. It was about genuine faith and simple obedience, you know, to the Lord. And um, I, I, can, I have vivid memories of eyeballing trees myself, you know. I, I, I think other people in this room could, could say me too to some of those things. And so um, sin will lead us down a very, very dark road, but I, I'm thankful, man. I'm thankful for what God's done in, in your life, John, Tara, uh, Patrick, that you're here, um, that, that you're alive, and, and you're here to testify of his grace, his saving grace this year. And, uh, and I just know for all of you, it hasn't been an easy journey, you know, it, but it has been, you've seen God's hand at work in hindsight, like you were just saying. You look back and you're just like, whoa, God kept me from killing myself. God, God brought me into a season of poverty so he could sustain me. You know, just the, those things that's just incredible of God's, you know, faithfulness. Is there anything else I, any of y'all wanted to add on, on any of that? I do. I, I just, I want to say that, you know, by no means am I perfect, you know. Um, and I long for a day that I'm completely delivered from you know, temptation or, or, you know, way of thinking. Um, but until that happens, Jesus' death on the cross, right, mm -hmm. and his resurrection three days later is enough. Yeah. You know, if, if this is the thorn in my flesh until the day that I die, okay, all right, I'm not going to be tempted beyond what I can bear. Um, I, you know, I just want to say if, if whatever that is for you, it doesn't have to be, you know, same sex attraction, whatever. 
whatever that issue is, the simple obedience and just doing what, what you know God is calling you to do, yeah. you will find deliverance in that. It might not look like what we think it's going to look like. It might not be like, oh, I'm magically not tempted anymore. I'm just walking la-di-da, da-da-da, and everything's perfect. No, it's like there's going to be a struggle, but there will be a sense of deliverance. And I, I think that that's the biggest thing for me is am I, in my mind, set free? No, but I am. There, yeah. I am. <laughs> In, in, in the spirit realm. and I and believe, I, help my own belief. Is, yeah. Exactly. And I think that that's just such a huge thing. And, and, and finally, you know, uh, a challenge for the church, you know, just to really understand the biblical point of view on, on sin, on yeah. this issue, whatever it may be, um, and to not be a willing bystander in sending this generation to hell. And what I mean by that is we've got a lot of confusion and a lot of confusing doctrines in the church world about this subject and about another, uh, many other sin issues. And I think I'm just challenging you. Yeah. What does the Bible say? And what does that mean um, for how we are to represent Jesus in, in this modern church world? And I just want to challenge you to, to really get biblical <laughs> yeah. and really find out you know, what, how, how we are supposed to act um, in this day and age, that's all. It's a, it's a good thing, man. Just as we go in into this year, because there's a there's a tension there because of the relationships we have, because of our our desire for sin, the desires of our flesh to to fight off, to crucify those in our own life, um, and, and approach everything with God's grace, approach relationships with God's grace. But we don't we don't uh, take grace or, or we don't give grace without clinging to the truth. And so we've got to walk in both the, the truth of um, God's word and the grace that he has given us through, through Christ. Um, and we're, we're kind of running out of time, but I just want to give one, one more moment. Maybe just kind of here, we're, we're about to flip the calendar. I don't know if you're staying up late. I'll probably be in bed by 9.30 or so. But um, we'll flip the calendar, see the ball drop tonight, and uh, we're heading to 2018, a new year. Um, Kind of what's on your heart? What, what, what's, what are you praying God to, to do in your life to see um, him move? And kind of what's your focus for your own relationship with the Lord this year? Anybody? Okay. Um, this has kind of been a, where I've been headed, but I didn't really realize it. And it may have been Christmas Eve that you um, had preached in Delight Yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And yeah. I've heard that, and I, I, I sat on that for a while earlier this year um, and kind of didn't really understand it, I don't think. I think sometimes I read things, and I think, yeah, that's, that's really good, but, like, I don't quite wrap my arms all the way around it. Um, and I've camped out really in that whole, that whole chapter, um, and I still don't have my arms all the way around what that means to let yourself in the Lord. I know, I know that once I figure out a way to just delight myself in him. It's like when you want something and you're happy with the something that you have, you're not busy wanting other things, yeah. right? Yep. So that's my prayer that's for good. myself and my family in 2018 is that we we really learn and embrace that inter- eternal perspective um, and really just learn to love the Lord more. Yeah. Nothing is something you have to do anymore. It's something you want to do. Yeah. You know, it's something you get to do, and it changes how we look at church. It changes how we look at our relationships in the body of Christ when we get together with dinner, hang, you know, whatever it might be. 
because we're just delighting ourselves in the Lord in every in everything. Um, did she speak for you there? You got to add? No, she did. Um, but you know, I, I, we as far as goals go in 2018. I mean, I, I one of my goals is definitely to get more involved with the Word, study the Bible closer. Um, I mean, I've I've read through it. I've listened to it. Mm-hmm. For a while, I used to put on headphones at night when I went to sleep and start Genesis 1 and go yeah. to sleep. thought, well, maybe if I just hear it while I'm sleeping subconsciously, it'll just all stick. <laughs> um, How's that working? It didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so I slept really good, though. Um, <laughs> so I want to do that and just focus, you know, um, being more of a spiritual leader with my children and, mm-hmm. and helping them. I mean, my oldest... Um, is amazing. My, my youngest is amazing, but the, the oldest, you know, he really has a heart for God. Um, and I can see the little ones starting to come around with that, but just to help guide them both yeah. um, that, in that journey for them. It's awesome. It's my biggest goal for this year. It's so. awesome. Awesome. Patrick, anything on your heart? Just uh, focus in your walk with the Lord for 2018? Yes. <laughs> um, Really, you know, just you mentioned um, when you're talking about the fast, you know, cut the cleansing ourselves. Um, And I think for me, the biggest thing that I'm getting challenged to do is just to consecrate myself daily before the Lord. Um, And just every single day to set my eyes on him, because there's always going to be something that's going to try to distract us from, you know, his calling. Yeah. And I mean, Jesus says, you know, be holy for my heavenly father is holy. And it's like, when you think about that, you know, and then later on, he says, be perfect. Like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Last time I looked at me, I was not perfect. Um, But really just to set aside, you know, spiritually to battle, to to claim, you know, that holiness. and, And I think that's the biggest thing. And I think this fast is going to be perfect, you know, time wise for some things that are going on in my life, and I just am grateful for, yeah. for that. So. Yeah. The Greek root of that word perfect there is teleos, which r- really means um, completion, maturity. Like walk in that fullness, in that, that completion of that victory that we've been talking about of his grace. And so um, I just personally want to thank you guys for your transparency to talk about all that. Can you guys thank him today? You guys are good. Thank you.